Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And we are both piles of laundry on Bella Swan's bedroom floor. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. How's it going today, Paige? How's your day? It's good. I had an amazingly delicious breakfast from local eatery Lucille's. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, I have... I just bought a pair of shoes off of Depop. Um, they're Doc Martens. And I just want to put this as a question out to all the listeners who have Doc Martens. When do they stop making me want to cut my feet off? They hurt so bad. They are excruciating. Did you try Googling it? I'm no help on this matter. I've never worn them. I I talked about it with Millie and she was like, it's going to take a while. They take a long time to break in. Damn. Well, maybe can you just wear them around your house when you're clomp clomping around? Maybe, but it's like, it, I don't know if it's worth it. Today, <laughs> I went to the restaurant, I picked my food up, and when I got back to my car, I just took the shoes off and I drove home with no shoes on because that's how bad they hurt my feet. Sad. They're super cute, too. I saw your snapper Insta or whatever it was. I love them, but like I said, I want to become a double foot ectomy person <laughs> what <laughs> someone who's lost both their feet due to self-removal okay let me know how that goes for you okay, okay. what about what about you how's how's your day going I honestly have nothing to share that would at all interest any listening audience ever <laughs> so just thriving not mm-hmm. really I feel like I see these tweets all the time that are like, if you ask a white person, how's their day? And they say another day in paradise. That means they want to die. And I'm like, that's me. Yeah, I, you ever have those days where you just look like the one Squidward where he's like, look at these bags, even my bags have bags. And it's like his face and he just looks haggard with like the eye bags. Yes. That's what I was imagining. That's pretty much me, yeah. This morning I literally laid in my bed for like approximately 40 minutes too long after I woke up. And then I was like sprinting around the house. Also, my cats are losing their shit. Can you be quiet? Anyways, should we talk about the highlight? Let's freaking do it. It's crazy. I just feel like we've been just like grinding these episodes out. It's like every time we turn around, there's another one. You know, that's how a weekly podcast works. Yeah, I know. It's pretty weird. (laughs) This last week, we read Chapter 18 of Midnight Sun, Mind Over Matter. I'm going to ask it this week. I'm I'm taking the initiative. Emily, what did you think of this week's chapter? It's very kind of you. Um, it was fine. I feel like that's the word for it. It's, it was fine. It wasn't like, I didn't learn that much, especially because I already know all of this. And maybe it was more exciting for you. You might have learned some more. What did you think? Yeah, I was going to say I felt the opposite. I There's this, a point in this chapter where I, you know, that one Shrek face where he's like, his eyes are really squinty and like his mouth is like, yes, read it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't remember that. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm excited to get to that part. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of I some interesting details that were added, you know, just a little richer backstory with the Collins and 
that's always exciting to learn a little bit more about the characters. I mean, I'm still I'm still ripe with anticipation to learn more about everyone. I wish you wouldn't say ripe in that context, but yeah, I feel you. I mean, I feel like maybe I'm just like kind of cruising at 30,000 feet right now. So that's maybe why I was like, well, this was fine. So forgive me, listeners. Paige is going to carry this episode on her back. The weight is already causing strain. (laughs) Maybe it'll balance out because you do have big boobs. Thank you. Yeah, my fat ass and my big boobs, they like act as counterweights for my small bones. (laughs) Like a teeter-totter. Yes. (laughs) I miss those. Why don't we do those anymore? I don't know. I'm going to go find one after this. That'd be nice. But I'm by myself, so it'll be sad. Um, not to, not to bring it back, but I also, the part, the very end where they have like a sex talk. So in Twilight, the way that Bella phrases the question, it's something to the extent of like, so vampire weddings, being married, is that the same for vampires as it is for humans? And in that episode, you pointed out you were like she's literally asking him about sex and I was really embarrassed because I did not interpret it that way at all like I literally thought she was asking about marriage and I was like oh yeah ha 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 but in my head I was like I don't know if she is talking about sex but in this book she's very clearly talking about sex and it's literally the word sex is used which I was like whoa wasn't expecting that so Helped clear things up for me, and it was kind of like a little laugh, too. But to be fair, Edward was the same as you at first. He doesn't understand what she's asking either. Yeah, that's true. I It did make me feel a little more validated, but I was like, Emily was right. She was right all along. I should have known. <laughs> I'm not always right, but most of the time. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> Edward Cullen. <laughs> for real, he's rubbing off on me. Should we jump into this bitch? Let's do it. Okay. So when we start the chapter, Bella and Edward are driving home from their day in the meadow, and they're listening to old music from the 50s, and Edward is singing along. And Bella says, are you ever going to tell me how old you are? And I just, I'm not going to harp on it again. I promise. I really am not. But I would just like to say I find it very absurd that these two people have professed their undying love for each other, and one of them does not know how old the other one is. I have to agree. (laughs) And that's that. Okay. (laughs) So Edward goes into his backstory, which obviously we already know about. Um, He edits a lot of it out, primarily the part about how he got changed into a vampire, because he's like already got to stick up his ass about that whole thing. And Um, so then it kind of transitions into Bella asking about all the members of his family. And on the top of page 385, he's talking about Esme. And he says, she fell from a cliff. They brought her straight to the hospital morgue, though somehow her heart was still beating. Why do you think he lies about Esme here? I... I would think that, I don't know, their relationship is still kind of new, and 
you know, the the topic of suicide and self-harm can be very intense for people. So, I mean, technically, she did fall off of a cliff. There was a cliff involved. It's just easier to just say that versus maybe darkening the mood, I guess. And he, I mean, he doesn't know a lot about Bella in this context. So maybe he just didn't want to bring it up because he wasn't sure how she would feel about it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I would agree. I just was kind of curious to hear your thoughts on it. Because later, when Esme tells Bella the truth, she, uh, Bella says like, oh, Edward just said that you fell. And Esme's like, oh, he's such a gentleman. And so she, it's almost like she's implying that it's like a manners thing. But I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah, and also maybe he also kind of doesn't want to think about his mom in that way. You know, it's hard for him to face that she was at that a point in her life where she felt like she needed to do that. Right. True. That's fair. Um, so then they talk about Emmett and Rosalie. And of course, Edward is fucking rude about R- Rosalie. You know that gif? I do not fucks with the Kardashians. I just don't. Um, everything I know about them, I've learned against my will. But here's what I will say. That one gif of... I. Th- I Kim and I, she's hitting one of the other ones. I don't know the other one's names, but she has like a purse and she's like swinging it at her and she's like, don't be fucking rude. That mm-hmm. is, that's how I felt at this. I say, side note, I reference that gif, I would say probably eight times a week. I say that all the time. Don't be fucking rude. But yes, I, I have a big fat note on the next page about trademark the audacity. For real. So let's talk about it. Um, you know, first he talks about how disgusted he was when he realizes that Carlisle brought Rosalie to the family as a mate for Edward. And um, then he kind of reminisces on how Rosalie saves Emmett and is rude the whole fucking way. Um, so how he describes it is that when he hears her coming, you know, rushing home, he immediately thinks that like she has begun to exact revenge on somebody. And at this point, there is a little bit of a a thing that reveals some about Rosalie's backstory. Um, I'm on page 386. In the first year of Rosalie's second life, before she had disappeared on her several, several missions of revenge, her thoughts had given her away clearly and thoroughly. I knew what she was planning and I had informed Carlisle. The first time he counseled her gently, urging her to let go of her past life, certain that she, that if she did, she would forget, and then her pain could lessen. Revenge could not bring back anything she had lost. But when his guidance met only the, Im, is it implacability, I think? Implacability of her fury? That sounds right. Okay. He gave her advice on how best to be discreet about her forays. Neither of us could argue that she didn't deserve vengeance. And we both couldn't help but believe that the world would be a better place without the rapists and murderers who had ended her life. So your thoughts on this? Because you didn't know any of this. Thoughts are, while I don't condone murdering anyone, really, it's not really something that I support. I, I don't know, it just kind of paints Rosalie in like a very... I don't want strong is not the word that that I'm trying to say, but like strong in a physical sense, like 
not muscular, but like her, her strength, her power. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times women are portrayed as being weak, but seeing this like vengeful, powerful side of her, I don't want to say badass. Like I said, I'm not condoning murder, but it just makes her like seem very tough, I guess. But as I discussed earlier, this was quite shocking to me. I, for some reason, I really thought that Rosalie, like someone in Rosalie's life had died and that's who she was exacting revenge on. The people who had like taken away a love of hers. I didn't realize that they like fucked her up too. I really didn't know that. And you know, I'm just like, I, I'm excited to, to hear about that whole backstory. Maybe not excited. I'm intrigued. I want to know more. Yeah, definitely. Does it kind of change any of Rosalie's behavior or, or, you know, like shed a light on it in any way? I would say it does shed a light. Um, I think it kind of almost amplifies her anger with becoming a vampire. Like so much of her has been taken away by people. It's been completely out of her control. This, I'm assuming, brutal attack on her out of her control and it would have ended her life had Carlisle not intervened. And then immediately, right off the right after that, that life is taken away from her too. So it's just like one thing after another with her of having her freedom and her free will taken away by people that don't shouldn't have had that ability to do so. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, yeah, it was interesting when I was reading this because I was like, oh, I forgot about this. Like, how much are they going to be revealing? So definitely gave you more of an insight, but not the full story. Mm-hmm. So anyways, back in the present, Rose, or sorry, Edward is just remembering this whole situation. And so he assumes that when she shows up, um, you know, running and everything that she had found another person who had been responsible in this attack and had exacted revenge on them and then he realizes that she's carrying a human and Rosalie is basically incoherent and you know she's asking Carlisle to save the man who of course is Emmett and um Carlisle's not understanding that by that she means um you know turn him into a vampire and so Edward explains that for her and then they leave so that Carlisle can carry out the process and I I do have a question here because I know that you and I really like Rosalie and we tend to defend her. But I do have to say that it does kind of trouble me a bit that she hates this life so much and she picked it for someone else without their consent. What do you think about that? Yeah, I 100% agree. I she's very much like Carlisle in this moment. She, Carlisle changes Edward because he's lonely and wants someone in this life with him to spend time with and it shouldn't be his choice to do that to someone but he does take that and Rosalie kind of does the exact same thing she's obviously very upset about being in this lifestyle and she makes that choice for someone else too so it's hard for me to it's hard for me to stand with her on this when she kind of chose that I I guess she's lucky because it seems out of all of them Emmett seems to be very very receptive to it and kind of loves the lifestyle so 
at least there's that, but the action in of itself is very contradictory to how Rosalie is in her attitudes towards vampirism. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say that, like, it works out for her because Emmett loves it and is super happy that it happened to him, but that, to me, is beside the point because, like, it could have gone either way, you know? Yeah, and, like, I would say, I mean, as much as I know, most of, if not all of them, except for Rosalie, seem to view the vampirism as a positive. At least it's not a negative, like Rosalie is so outwardly saying it as. I mean, I feel like maybe there might be things that I'll learn later that might contradict that, but um, for her to be so outwardly negative about it, it it is quite shocking that she would then want to put that onto someone else. Agreed. The only caveat I would have to that is that I feel like Edward probably hates it as almost as much as she does. Yeah, you're right. I think that the I think why Edward hates it, I feel like is different though. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Self-hatred thing. Yeah. Speaking of Edward, before we move on, I just there were two two points that one I was like, okay, Edward, I see you, and the other one I was like, I don't want to see you. <laughs> They both take place on page 386. So I'll, I'll go with the positive first. When um, when he's hearing Rosalie approaching, very rapid footsteps, You can he can hear her breathing heavy, like he knows something is wrong. But he, he knows something is wrong, but he tr- trusts or knows how strong and resolute she is that she wouldn't, she wouldn't falter that she wouldn't decide to give in and kill a person just for the the blood of it, I guess. So he does have some kind words to say about her and her her strength, which I did I I did enjoy that he had something nice to say. But at the very top of the page, he's talking about how much she whines quote unquote, but she's not even doing it out loud. He's complaining about the thoughts that she's having in her head, like the audacity to be upset about some what someone else is doing in the confines of their own mind. Like you have no business even being there. Let her be upset about a whole situation she literally has no control over in her own brain. She's allowed to do that. It's very upsetting for me to read. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to work Taylor Swift into this because I can do that and SpongeBob with everything. Mm -hmm. But even if she was whining outwardly, again, her right. And I just feel like the term whining is so gendered and people don't realize that. I'm in this Facebook group for this podcast called Popcast, which is produced by The New York Times. And there is a lot of Taylor Swift fans in the group and a lot of Taylor Swift haters in the group. And as some of you may know, she released the first of her re-recorded albums last week, Fearless, um, because she does not own the rights to her original music. And it's been a big controversy in the news. Um, It's basically like a sexist, horrible industry thing. And so someone posted in this group and was like, I just don't like lots of artists don't own their masters. And like, I just don't get why we have to listen to Taylor Swift whine about this. 
And somebody else on the post like made a great point where they were like, Prince did this exact same thing and no one called it whining. And I think that's because of their genitalia. Like, honestly, like it's so insane how when women complain, it's like whining and complain about things that they have a right to complain about. Exactly. I, it makes me think of hysteria like that whole absurdity from like the 19 and 1800s it's it's it is completely gendered i mean edward uses the word wine at the top of the page that is the word choice that he chooses and i 100% don't think that he would use that word to describe emmet or jasper agreed and we have to remember that this is a male character written by a female author so there's a whole nother layer of that too. And I feel like, especially in the more conservative Christian religions, there is kind of this almost expectation for women to keep their head down and keep their mouth shut and just do their job as a woman, as a mother, as a housewife, as whatever it may be. And so that really bothers me as well. I didn't even consider that. Edward's take on things is literally coming from the mind of a woman that is internalized misogyny. <laughs> Paige and I's EDM album is going to drop. So anyways, back to the process of changing Emma into a vampire. So Edward and Rosalie go out you know, to get some space and they have to stay out there together as like for a few days. And um, Edward says, those hours changed us both. When Carlisle finally came to call us home, we returned as brother and sister. What do you think about all this? I don't buy it. (laughs) All, All the shit talking that he does about Rosalie at this point. I mean, I guess there are definitely brother and sister relationships where there is a lot of shit talking, but he is so rude to her and does not act kind towards her at all and has really doesn't have a lot of nice things to say about her. So sure, you you say that now, but I don't believe it. Yeah, it kind of feels like an estranged relationship almost to me. I feel like they love each other, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah, like, what is it? There's... When when Edward is talking about um, um, the thought of maybe, like, trying to kill the monster in a couple chapters ago, he even says, he was like, as much as Rosalie dislikes me and all of the insults she throws at me in her own mind, like, she would never do that to me. And I think that that I think that that's a perfect description of like a brother sister. It's like we we can love each other, but we don't have to like each other. Yes, exactly. You nailed it. Yeah. So then Bella asks about Alice and Jasper. So Edward, um, you know, talks about Alice, and it's all information we already know about her being able to see the future. And um, then he brings up Jasper, and he's also just thinking about the day that Alice arrived, which is kind of a funny story. Um, You know, she plans it out to be exactly what she wants it to be. Edward and Emmett are away so that, you know, they don't like attack them. And he makes a passing reference to, this is on page 390. 
It was Jasper's warlike appearance that had them so all so apprehensive, but Alice knew exactly what to say to ease their anxiety. You knowing very little about Jasper, what do you make of that line? I'm trying to picture what a warlike what what that means in the vampire world and I have no idea but I'm just picturing like a a ripped shirt with just like like teen wolf scratch marks all over it and like his boobs are out basically like I know that that's not it but I was just picturing almost like a pirate look to him I don't really know what vampire lore is like if for Stephanie Meyer but that's what it is for me Okay, I like it. I can picture it. I'm picturing the actor who plays him, like, wearing a pirate shirt. Um, also, this is, like, a small thing, but Edward mentions that whenever Jasper thinks about um, the day that him and Alice met, they don't, he doesn't really go into details, but he says their union had been a magical thing. Whenever Jasper thought of it, the entire household relaxed into dreamy contentment, so powerful were his communal emotions. And I just wanted to say, it would be so nice to live with somebody like Jasper if you had anxiety. <laughs> just be like, can you hit me with some of that good, good? Babe, I have to make a phone call today. If you could, like, put me in some zen, that would be great. <laughs> be so nice. <laughs> Anyways, um, so then Edward remembers what it was like when he met Alice and just how how bizarre this would be when he, they walk up. She just, like, throws her arms around him. And he's, she already knows that he can read her mind. And she says, oh, Edward, at last, my brother, we're finally together. And so then Edward kind of eases Emmett's mind because he's pretty tense. And now they're all together. And that's that. I am just picturing, okay, so we already know that Emmett hates when Edward has mental conversations with people or, like, just talks out loud. And... You're Emmett. This is probably kind of new to you at this point. This literal stranger shows up, throws her arm around Edward. Edward, my brother, you're finally here. And then there's just kind of like a moment of hugging. And then Edward turns around and he's like, this is Alice. She's our sister. Emmett must be like, bro, what the fuck is going on right now? I have, this makes absolutely no sense to me. What is going on? Yeah, the way that you, like, delivered um, the line that Edward would say, like, made it sound like he was, like, brainwashed. Well. <laughs> True. But, yeah, it would be very funny. I wish we could, you know what? I want the fucking series from Emmett's point of view. Give me what I want. Not Stephanie Meyer. I don't trust her. Somebody else, give me what I want. I'm picturing the first line, like, so I was playing in the forest with this tiny little squirrel. It was going really well. And then stupid Edward has to come in and be like, hey, we have to go to school. But I was knee deep in a wrestling match. Like, it would be nothing. It, it would not be good. <laughs> it would be so bad that it would be good. Yeah. I mean, I would read it. Don't get me wrong. I love it. <laughs> yep. So then Bella asks some more questions about vampirism, you know, how many more of there are you? And he describes, you know, how there's nomads because nobody else really lives like them, not feeding off of humans. And he mentions how Alice doesn't remember her human life. And 
it is kind of weird that like she wakes up and just immediately has a vision about Jasper. You know how frustrating that would be? Like, because it's not like she knows exactly where to go. So she would have to like, just go through thousands upon thousands of decisions till the day she finally met him. You know what I mean? And also, how would you even know what was going on? Like, I think about fake people all the time. Like, I dated a fake guy for years in high school, in my mind. We met at the mall. It was just, like, a fake person that I thought about. <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing. But, like, like what, what, what would tell your brain, this is a real thing that might happen? This is, a, this is a literal vision of the future versus is this just like a random thought I'm having? Like how would, if you have no memory beforehand of what anything is, that is crazy that she was able to like decipher anything and gather herself together and succeed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot of logic around it. A lot of people have issues with how Alice managed to figure it out, but. I don't really care enough, but I want to revisit. <laughs> you had a fake boyfriend. What? It wasn't like a boyfriend. It was just like a fantasy that like sometimes if I was like trying to fall asleep, I'd be like, oh yeah, I can like live that day. And like, I didn't know him. It was just a fake person that I like dreamed up in my head of like, oh yeah, like he had curly hair and he had a great jawline, you know, like all of the traits that I found attractive in a boy that I just kind of made a fake person up. We don't need to, we don't need to dwell on it. <laughs> no, 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 that makes more sense. That's, yeah, that's less crazy than what I was thinking. It just reminded me of this book that I read when I was a kid. I, first of all, I read this book way too young. I messed up. Um, but it was called The Night I Disappeared. And this book is batshit bananas. I, okay, I want you to read it. But it was just about this girl and her boyfriend and how, like, she had a hard life because her and her mom didn't get along. But, like... And now I'm not going to be able to remember the plot. I want to make sure I get it right. Anyways, so she would always be hanging out with her boyfriend, right? And then one day, she goes through some kind of trauma. I don't really remember. But she realizes that she got kidnapped as a child and, like, blocked out the, the memory of it, like, repressed it. And made up her boyfriend. He was not real the entire time. And the whole time he's been a character in this book. So you were like, shook if. I feel like the Pikachu meme. <laughs> I know. I'm about to look it up. And I, I, maybe I just dreamed this book. Okay, now here it is. Okay, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just keeps having these like weird visions. And she's scared that she's like losing her mind. So her mom sends her to therapy. This is the last sentence of the description okay when jamie disappears into her inner world one night and can't find her way out morgan oh it's her friend morgan sees to it that jamie finally gets help morgan's aunt a psychiatrist breaks through jamie's paralyzing fear and helps her unravel a tangle of long forgotten horrifying secrets in her past dot 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 i think she gets kidnapped i wish they would tell me <laughs> anyways i just totally derailed the conversation but when you said fake boyfriend i was like <laughs> Because I was like, that's not good. Okay. Anyways, so they arrive at Bella's house. And I don't even want to go over it again. We harped on it enough when we read Twilight. Bella thinks it's sexy that he's been stalking her. And that's that. So um, she obviously has to, like, make dinner for her dad. And Edward has to hide when he gets home. And 
It's funny because, like, viewing it from Edward's perspective, like, Bella's acting so weird. But in Twilight, you're just, like, in the moments, so you're just, like, keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving. But, like, witnessing it as, like, a third party is, like, oh, my God, this girl's crazy. Yeah, I, like, I've, I've been the Bella, but I've also been the Edward. <laughs> yep, yep, fair. So, finally, when Bella gets back up, there's that hilarious moment where she, like, calls out the window for him, and he's just laying on her bed, like, so awkward. <laughs> That's something that would happen to me. Like, I'd be, like, trying to be, like, sexy or whatever, and I'd be, like, laying on the bed, and they wouldn't see me, <laughs> and I'd be, like, damn it. I just, I still can't believe, like, I'm trying to picture Bella's bedroom. Like, I'm thinking of my own bedroom. There's nowhere that anyone could be like aside from like genuinely hiding like in the closet or under the bed like in my mind he's just kind of sitting there like kind of out in the open like how does she not see him it doesn't make sense to me I know I mean I guess the lights are off but that confuses me too because I'm like it's not mysterious that like your light is on if you're in your room to your dad like he's not gonna be like why is her light on you're in there like in fact I would think it's more mysterious that you go in with the lights off and just Bop around in the dark. Yes, very odd. Seems like you're sneaking out, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways. He, Edward overhears, this kind of bothers me that he overhears, oh, he overhears Charlie messing with, like, taking the starter out or whatever it is that car parts do. And he doesn't say anything to Bella. I'd be like, you want some tea? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe... Maybe he thinks that Bella will have some kind of reaction to it and bring it up to Charlie, and he doesn't want to put her in that situation of being contentious with her dad. I don't know. But I definitely would want to talk about it. That's really funny. Yeah, I would too. Also, given Bella as a character, that he even thinks that he has to do this is hilarious to me. I mean, to be fair, she is kind of like, in cahoots with the supernatural being. So I guess maybe there is some validity. (laughs) Yeah, her boyfriend's literally sitting in her room this entire time. Also, he's murdered many people. Yep. But sure, yeah, you take the part out of her car, that'll keep her safe. Yeah, for real. It literally sounds like there are reindeer on my roof right now. Like, what is going on? (laughs) The cats are looking around, too, so I know it's not them. Can I just circle back really quick? Yeah. On page 396, the parts where Edward is kind of like debunking vampire lore with Bella, there's a little paragraph on the bottom of page 391 that reads, there was actually a precise source behind the legends, but that wasn't something I wanted to get into. The Volturi were very far away and very much absorbed in their mission to police the vampire world. They would never affect Bella's life beyond the lore they'd concocted to protect immortals' privacy. And I know that the Volturi are important at some point, and I'm pretty sure that they're villains. Like, I'm pretty sure that they're, like, a huge thing at some point. So I'm just reading this, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that they'll never affect Bella's life while they're off doing their own thing, for sure. They're definitely not, like, a major plot point anywhere in the future. For sure, Edward. Yeah, you think that. Go ahead. I can neither confirm nor deny these allegations, but it is always funny when, like, 
they're, I mean, if your theory is correct, when, like, characters say something so obvious to, to the point where you're, like, they're, like, I will never have to worry about that ever again. And you're, like, you're definitely gonna have to worry about it then, because you just fucking said that. It's, like, when Edward talks about Jacob being, like, oh, yeah, he's definitely a mind I'd love to spend some time exploring, for sure. He's cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Edward has so many of these moments. So Bella leaves to go take a shower and do her thing, and Edward checks out her books and starts reading the one that he hadn't read. And I just want to say, this is the weirdest fucking flex ever. On page 401, when Bella comes, or when he, like, realizes that she's about to come back in, he says, the bathroom door open. I replace the book, noting the page number, comma, 166, comma, so I could return to it later, and assumed my statue-like pose from before. I'm like, there was literally no need for us to, for you to tell us that you got through 166 pages of that book in the time that she was showering. You were just doing it to flex. So weird. 100%. I literally, you could X that number and the sentence would read perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. The only reason for the number is so that you can be a pompous dickhole. <laughs> Did you say pompous? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, finally Bella comes back in the room, and they just talk for a couple minutes, because um, Charlie ends up coming in to check on her in a few minutes. But before that, they're just having, you know, this nice moment where they're just kind of, like, touching each other. You know how it be. Yeah. Paige is just nodding. (laughs) And... Edward talks about how shocked he is that he's, like, good at, you know, like, being romantic and, like, turning Bella on, basically. <laughs> and um, he just is saying, like, I never, you know, felt like this in my human life, so I didn't, you know, think that I would be good at it now. And then he's, like, really full of, of himself about it, of course. If you give Edward the smallest bit, he is going to run with it. You you cannot give this man a compliment because either one, he will reject it and not accept it. Or two, that's going to be his, what he goes off of for the rest of his life. God, that is so accurate. You're right. Wow. Damn. <laughs> I'm just kind of skimming this because they're really just like talking and touching and it's not really any forward plot movement. He talks about how jealous he is of Mike Newton and how he never experienced jealousy before and how, remember how I made fun of him for that? (laughs) Yep. It all comes back around. I didn't even remember this part, lol. Um, Then he talks about the first night that he came there, which was the night that Bella got asked to the dance by three different people and, you know, kind of explains why he decided to start talking to her again and how that's, you know, when he realized that he was in love with her, basically. He doesn't say that, but that's what he's implying. And then Bella has her moment about Rosalie, which we defended <laughs> when we read Twilight, because, you know, who would not be shook by that? Then this is the part when Charlie comes in to check, and then after he leaves, they get under the covers together. And... Bella, or Edward asks Bella if she, like, wants to go to sleep, and she says no, and then he says, so if you don't want to sleep, dot, 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 if I don't want to sleep, dot, 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 she echoed, (laughs) so awkward. I wrote, 
for that specific thing, page 414, the ellipses have me screaming in all capital letters. Like, you're not hiding anything. We know what the ellipses mean. <laughs> for real. So funny. Um, I did want to say that, and, you know, it kills me to say this, but he is kind of being a gentleman here on page 410 um, when he's saying, like, I'd been very forward in joining her like this, like, under the covers is what he means, but it felt oddly natural. Did it feel that way to her or just presumptuous? Did it make her, like me, imagine more? Is this what she thought through for so long? I don't know. I, it just, I kind of appreciated that he was like, ooh, am I crossing a line here? I mean, he doesn't say anything about it, so I guess it's not that good, but. It's, it's, I, I'm definitely pleased that he at least brings it up you know he could have just not done that he could have just completely skirted over it so at least he had the decency to bring it up you know yeah yeah definitely also I feel like the top of page 411 for some reason I feel like this is something you would say when Bella says yeah it's an off day when I don't get somebody telling me how edible I smell I don't know that has page energy it 100% does. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Bella asks about powers and, you know, like, why can why does Edward have his power and why does Alice have hers? And Edward explains about Carlisle's theory about, you know, them bringing stuff into their second life that they were, like, particularly strong in from before. Um, obviously, we would remember all this from Twilight, but... Then they talk about, like, creation and, you know, like, evolution and maybe, like, where did they come from? How did vampires come to be? That kind of thing. Yeah, I thought it was a little surprising, maybe. I mean, it's not surprising given that, like we touched on earlier, that Stephanie Meyer is the author. So she can interject her own feelings and attitudes into the characters. But I think it's interesting that Edward believes in God. I don't know. I, he just doesn't really strike me as a someone who believes in a higher power like that. And he he says in this little paragraph um, th that he it's hard for him to not believe that there's some that creationism isn't a thing basically. Like he believes in that. So I just thought that it just kind of struck me as out of character for him but maybe maybe you don't feel the same way I don't know it's not that I don't feel the same way I just don't think that he's that strong in it because a little farther up on the page he says though I didn't always agree with Carlyle's unshakable faith his answers were just as likely as any others sometimes perhaps because his mind was so firm they felt most likely I so for me it almost feels like Edward is coming from like a logic standpoint where he's like I just don't see how this world could have just come out of nothing. Mm -hmm. So it seems more likely to me that there was a higher power that created it. It's not like he's going around like thinking about his faith. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. I like that more than what I was thinking. Yeah. Interesting observation. So then they have this weird, awkward sex talk. And, um, Bella, you know, kind of skirts around the subject, like Paige was talking about earlier, and then basically just says, you know, like, is vampire marriage the same as it is for humans? And um, 
Edward, you know, he's like, oh, is that what she's talking about? And he says, I'm on page 414. I don't think, this is out loud, I don't think that that, and then as an aside, I avoided the word sex because she did, back to dialogue, would be possible for us. I'm like, you didn't avoid the word sex because she did. You avoided the word sex because you're 17 and you're awkward. Yeah, I feel like him not using the word still makes it like not a thing. Like not not putting the definition in there kind of still makes it up in the air, mysterious. Like if he were to say the word and fully commit to it, like he's fully committing to it. So just kind of being kind of vague about it kind of keeps him from it, I would say. I think he's I think he's a little scared honestly. Like not that he doesn't want it, but I mean like I'm thinking about my own self like before I had been with someone physically like that. It was kind of like a scary thing that like I mean you don't know what to expect. You don't know what anything feels like or what it's supposed to be like. So like even if you're 104 years old, it could still be intimidating. So not not saying it still like keeps him a little removed from it yeah definitely I agree with that and I'm not trying to say like 17 year olds aren't old enough to have sex or like make fun of him or anything like that I just think it's funny because I don't know it just feels very like high school to me and he is 104 years old and but he's also still a high schooler so I don't know it just made me laugh that I was like oh my god this is so like high school girlfriend and boyfriend 100 percent yeah um so then, you know, he kind of explains to Bella that because she is so fragile, like, that's really not a possibility because, you know, he could kill her and not even mean to. And then he asks her basically if she's a virgin and she says yes, you know. Um, I've never felt like this about anyone before, not even close. And he says, I know. It's just that I know other people's thoughts. I know love and lust don't always keep the same company. And she says, they do for me now any way that they exist for me at all and then he like reassures her that he is also a virgin by just saying that we have that one thing in common at least again they're just like they're not actually coming out and saying it but they're just like still saying it I think the the very next sentence after what you read her use of the plural was a kind of acknowledgement I knew that she loved me the fact that we both also and this is in italics lusted was definitely going to complicate matters. And like, lust is worse than sex. Don't talk about you lusting for each other. I hate it. <laughs> it feels so like, I don't know, biblical, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird word. <laughs> like, it sounds like, I mean, I think I think it goes hand in hand with the biblical thing. It sounds bad. Like, like it sounds sinful because lust is a sin in the Bible. And I just, when I, when I read it and read it, him saying lust, I'm like, stop it. Don't do it. Even though like, it's fine that they're fucking horny for each other, but just like, don't use the word lustful. I hate it. I was just going to say, they invented the word horny for a reason. Just use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Edward would never succumb. He literally uses on the... Oh my god, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Go. He used a word I'd never seen before. Yes, I have it written down. So he will never say the word horny. Never. 
It's true. It's on the last page of the chapter. He's talking about their day, and I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's clearly like the root is paradise, but it's like paradisical. <laughs> what? Let me let me find it. I have to look at it because paradis paradisical paradisical. Yeah. 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 Good job. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. It just it makes me. Why does he have to be like that? <laughs> I know it's so ridiculous. And that's not even like I'm from the 1900s kind of thing because I'm pretty sure they didn't say it back then either. I'd never seen that word before. I thought it was a fake word. <laughs> We're going to end this chapter just on us ranting about that word. It's like the second, it's like the eighth to last word in the chapter. <laughs> but anyways, um Bella eventually falls asleep. And, you know, obviously he's just sitting there with her and he's just thinking about how perfect their day was. And so I'll just read this last little section. I was still unused to this joy and it didn't really feel like something a person could get used to. I would embrace it for as long as that was possible and know that no matter what happened in the future, just having this one. Go ahead, Paige. Paradisiac. Par par. <laughs> paradisiacal (laughs) just having this one that day was worth any pain that might follow edward bella whispered in her sleep edward i love you that's the end of the chapter (laughs) do you have anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about i'm just gonna say i mean this is the last thing but it's the last sentence so it fits i don't think it counts if your girlfriend says i love you for the first time in her sleep i don't i'm not gonna count that as her saying, I love you to you. I mean, he's going to count it. And she does love him. I'm sure she means it. But people have no control over what they say in their sleep. I, the other night I had a dream that, I'm not going to use names, but, because it's kind of embarrassing. But someone, someone important in the household wore go-go boots to a park and fell down and like broke their leg. And what if I said, what if I said something like that out loud? Like go-go boots. So-and-so broke their leg. It's not real. It's a dream. I'm I'm asleep. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It would be, I feel like I would think it was kind of cute if it wasn't the first time. Like if she had already said it, I would probably be okay with it. But now it's like, well, this is kind of a fat bummer. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that is the, the key point. If they had said it, whatever, cute, whatever. But it doesn't count if it's the first time that you can't say that that was the first time because it's not real. Yeah. Sad. What a bummer. So next week, we're going to be reading chapter 19, which is called Home. I'm sure you can predict what's going to be going down, but do you have any like specific on like what Edward's going to be thinking or what we're going to learn? I think that there's going to be maybe a little deeper dive maybe into Carlisle because this is where he kind of explains, well, no, there's a whole chapter called Carlisle in Twilight where she, where he talks about Carlisle. I think, is this the chapter where he plays Bella's lullaby for her on the piano? I believe in Twilight it is. They're not called the same thing, but. Well, if he talks, if if this chapter includes when he talks about Carlisle, I think that there's going to be a little deeper of a dive 
about Edward knowing things about Carlisle. I think it's also going to be that part where he plays Bella's lullaby for her. It's going to be euphoric for him. I think he's going to be really extra about it. Like he is about everything. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well, another Midnight Sun episode cranked out by the podcast machine that is Paige and I. I guess that's all we really got for y'all. So we will be off next week, which will be April 27th. Um, So we will not have a new episode out that week. Uh, We just have some scheduling conflicts, but we will be back the following week. So stay tuned. Please keep me in your thoughts and prayers and good intentions. I will be getting my second vaccine dose and I just have a I just have a suspicion that I'm going to be ill on an, on Tuesday the following day. So we're just trying to be safe about it and wise about it and planning ahead. Um Paige, you want to do the spiel? Okay, everyone, get ready. <laughs> You can email us at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. We would love to hear your email chains, um, spam messages. One of those things where it's like, if you don't forward this to 30 people, an evil clown will appear in your room and murder you. We'd love to hear it. Um, You can follow us on Tumblr and Instagram at TuesdaysAreForTwilight. Again, we'd still love to hear from you on those or send us some pics or gifts or whatever. Um, you can donate to our Patreon, which is at uh, patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight slash we still urge you and would love if you supported the Move to Higher Ground movement um, for the Quileutes and their safety and their homes. And the most important, follow us on Twitter at TAFPOD. <laughs> says Paige who does not have a Twitter account and has not been on our Twitter once not even one time I'm afraid I'm afraid to go on and see spoilers I got a fucking BuzzFeed spoiler on when I went on Facebook so yeah yeah no I'm glad that you don't it's just funny that you like most importantly (laughs) well Twitter's the hot hot place right now I think it's not. We literally have like five followers on Twitter. We have like 40 Instagram followers. I just mean in general. Like Twitter is the place that's popping. Yeah, that's fair. If you guys wonder why I'm never on our Twitter, like if you are one of the five followers listening, it's because I'm on my own Twitter dicking around, like doing dumb shit. Um, and yeah, I guess that's all we got. Paige, you got anything to add before we sign off? Um, don't be afraid. That's it? That's it. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. We'll see you in two weeks for Chapter 19 of Midnight Sun. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs) Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. (laughs) 